0: Welcome to the Ministership Life. Here we go, and we have have another moment together before our living God. We have another moment together to exalt the living King, the King of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom He sent into the world for the sin of the world, to die on a rugged cross for the atonement of sin, to become sin for us that we now by faith might become the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. What a glorious gospel we have with Christians. What a glorious good news we bear into the world. And so today be strong in the bearing of this good news into the world. Today be encouraged to stand strong before your God and to walk boldly before Him, declaring the truth of the Word of God, that there is only one way to the Father. There's only one truth. There's only one God, one life. And this is the way of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we present this message, the uniqueness of the message, the intensity of the message, the narrowness of the message, it is actually true life to another. So it ought not to intimidate us that it's narrow, but it should give us a joy that because it is narrow, it produces life life eternal, to know the only true God, to know the only true God. And so my title for today is the true continuation of last Sunday. Last Sunday, we talked about knowing him who is true. And today it is the one true God, the one true God, the one and only true God, our heavenly father. There's no one like Him. There's no other, not another. There's only one living God. The Father of glory. The Father of all mercies. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's go to where we started last week. And I'm trusting, I'm trusting for the Lord to come through strong in this message Let's go to 1 John 5. We start from verse 18 last week, and we'll do the same. We're going towards verse 20, though. We spend quite a bit of time around verse 18 and 19, and so I'm just going to read for context, and I'll really come into 20 faster this time around than last week. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. That's a habitual sinning, having a habit of sinning and seeing nothing wrong with it. Being very content in staying in that mire and the filth of the world. But not, not us, because we're born of God. But he who has been born of God, you and I, and if you're not born of God, we believe in our heart who he is. The Lord Jesus Christ, having died for our sins, and with our mouth we confess Him as our Lord and Savior. And from this conviction that we have in our heart of truth, our mouth speaks for salvation. And that's how we become born again. Children of God. He who has been born of God keeps Himself and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So we here we have two we have two realities. One is to be born of God that would give us an authority to keep ourselves in a world that is under sway of the wicked one, which is the other reality. And we, as man on earth, have an agency to determine an eternal outcome for our own lives, which reality we live in. And that which we choose here now has an eternal consequence Eternity which is forever, 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 and ever, without end, ever. And so when we come to the reality of the weight of this decision that we bear, it's so easy. It's so easy. Freedom comes forth from making the one decision for God the freedom of the Christian life, to know that they have been justified, sanctified, made right before a holy God on the basis of the blood of Christ, on the basis of a finished work that his son came and completed, said it is finished as he breathed his last breath and gave up a spirit. He said, it is finished. Redemption completed. Full restoration of fellowship again with the Father humanity could have. Verse 20. And we know that the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come and has given us an understanding That which I said comes from an understanding he has given me through the Holy Scriptures. That's not a figment of my own little imagination. I went somewhere and it just dawned on me. I did have a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross when I became born again many years back. But thereafter, He put me in the scriptures and explained the vision of the cross. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ who is true in him who is true in his son jesus christ this is christian reality this is the hope of our salvation this is the assurance of eternal life forever this is how we overcome the world and the sway of the wicked one that is constantly bringing taunts of accusations, discouragement, thoughts of having lost it all, thoughts of failure. No. No. Our reality is that we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ This is the true God This is the true God and eternal life To know the true God is to know eternal life To know the true God through the Son the Lord Jesus Christ it is to know and have and have and have, possess forever, eternal life. What an assurance, what a fulfillment of the scriptures through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to fulfill the scriptures, the law. He came to fulfill the desire of His heavenly Father for fellowship with you and I. Let's look at this word, true. The true God. He is the true God. Glory be to God. First John 5, 20 in the Strong's reads, And we know that the Son of God has come, and has given us understanding, has given us understanding, we are given an understanding into the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Through the Son, through the Word, we have understanding, so that we may know, so that we may know, (laughs) that's from the word gnosko, to have fellowship with, to be one with, So we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true God and eternal life. That word true you kept hearing in this passage is the Greek 228. Alethinos 228 means true, genuine, real, the real God. The word study is true to fact, true, real, emphasizing the organic connection, authentic unity between what is true and its source or origin. Truth comes from truth. True is of true. The understanding that we have of him comes from truth. Therefore, that which he gives to us as understanding is truth. Perfect unity Then we have with him through the mind of Christ. This word, athelinos, substantially true, refers to what is essentially true, connecting visible fact to its underlying reality. This word then emphasizes the integrity of what is true, down to its inner makeup, reality, true inside and out. He is true inside and out, genuine, real, reality. God. Regarding a scholar here, this word—I'm reading from Strong's Concordance. You can you can go and 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 read it for yourself. That sometimes this word carries something of the Greek meaning of real. But it is the real because it is the full revelation of God's faithfulness. Of God's faithfulness. The genuineness of God. The reality of God. The one true God. Now look at, let's look at this word used by Jesus himself. Let's go to the book of John and we'll look at some scriptures and trust the Lord would lead us in this teaching today in John. Where is John? All right. I should have a bookmark. There, (laughs) the real God, the true God. If we start John 1, one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. True and true. God who is true, and His Word who is true. We're together in the beginning. Truth, fellowship with truth. Truth being one. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. You want your life fashioned aright? Allow the word to fashion your mind. So that from that inner persuasion of thought and belief, you are fashioning a life that is truth-based, reality-based. And that would look like being under the dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses under the sway of the wicked one. An escape out of corruption we have. In him who is true. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Cannot overcome it. Light cannot be overcome by darkness. And so when we keep ourselves in light, in the light of revelation of the word of God, in the light of who God is, the only real true God, we are in turn overcoming darkness. And the wicked one cannot touch us. Let's go In verse 9, that was the true light. In verse 4, we read, In him was life, and the life was the light of man. And that this light, which is the life, Divine life is pure light, shines in darkness. That's why we are like a house set up on a hill that beacons out light. Our very life in Christ is pure light. And so wherever you go, let this light shine. How? By manifesting the life of Christ. How? By walking in those giftings of the Spirit, in the fruit of the Spirit, primarily self-control. The two bookends of those, the fruits was love and self-control. The light shines in the darkness and darkness did not comprehend it nor did not overcome it. Back to verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. It is a light that illuminates. It is a light that shines forth. It's not a hidden light. The true light is evident to all. Let's go from here to chapter 7, actually, 319, John 319, verse 18 for context for 19. He who believes in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is Jesus speaking. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world. He did not send this light into the world to condemn the world. He did not send the true light into the world to condemn the world. We do not have a ministry of condemnation, but a ministry of reconciliation to illuminate the life of man to present the gospel to them. Did not not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, not condemned, not condemned, not condemned, not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 19. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. True light has come into the world. And men loved darkness. Rather than light, because their deeds were evil. And so if you keep on to evil deeds, perpetual sin, you're living in condemnation. And it's very clear here why that is. It's not to do with the coming of light into your life, but it's to do with loving evil deeds. See, light is a rescue to us out of evil deeds. The true light is the one that we believe on to be saved, not condemned. So if you're living under condemnation, come back to the word of God that will produce faith in your heart to make you believe again. Believe again what? That he is your savior from wickedness from perdition, from doom and gloom. And this is how we come out of darkness and how we let go of those sins that so easily can ensnare us. Darkness. But he who does the truth, this is you and I, comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. They've been done in God. Faith working through love produces these deeds that keep us in light. Chapter 7 now, 28. Actually, let's look at verse 16. They just marveled at his teaching, and they said, How how does this man know letters, having never studied? That's verse 15. And so Jesus answers them in 16. And Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. Truth speaks truth. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one, the one true God, who sent him, but he who seeks The glory of the one who sent him is true. No unrighteousness is in him. Now we can go to verse 28. And Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I'm from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true. This is again He who sent me is true. Whom you do not know, but I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. When we receive Jesus, his son, we are receiving his truth. We are receiving pure doctrine, the very words of God for they are one in 8 let's go to chapter 8 in verse 12 is oh i love this verse this whole context is so beautiful it is the adulteress caught in the very act of adultery and and here the religious minds want to accuse her and stone her and really to ultimately ensnare the living word, to ensnare the living God, to ensnare ensnare truth. You cannot ensnare truth. And so they're using this as an opportunity. They're using this as an opportunity to ensnare him. And we know how the story goes. He looks at that woman. After everyone had left, all the condemners had gone. And he said, woman, in verse 10, where are your accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, true light said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This is what true light does. It brings a way out of darkness. Go and sin no more with no condemnation attached to it. But I'm coming for verse 12 here. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. What a beautiful context God chooses to place this statement in. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. A woman at the point of her lowest, being restored to living hope. Neither do I condemn you, but sin no more, for I am The light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This is our God. A way out of darkness into light that darkness cannot overcome. That's why he always leads us in triumph, in light. Every moment you face today you ever face tomorrow, the days ahead, you have to know light is guiding you in an overcoming moment. Whatever you caught in a snare, you have, no you know, light is there to give you a way of escape out. And so victory is always your portion in Christ. And don't qualify what victory looks like. Well, you know, I can just be a little tarnished here. A little failure is not too bad. I, lived a, I learned a big lesson. No failure in Christ. No failure in Christ. We go from glory to glory. Whatever happened yesterday, it's done, it's gone. It's a brand new moment for you to overcome and to come back to the reality of this verse, that he is the light of the world. And if we follow him, and we are, we are following him, then, then we'll not walk in darkness. We will not walk in darkness and stumble and falter like the world. But we have the light of life, revelation to know how to come out on top of it on top of it god always having the final say so she is mine he is mine we are gods we are gods eight john 8:20 8, let's go to 23 now He said to them, you are from beneath and I am from above. And we're now in whom? In the one that's beneath? Carnal, fleshy reality? Or are we in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ, who is from above, never lose sight of this. Because when you know you're from above, you know you've overcome it all already. Faith in the Son of God. Like First John also writes in chapter 5 earlier, In verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory, the victory, not the failure. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You believing that Jesus is the Son of God, Faith in the name, faith in the Son of the living God has made you an overcomer. So what is your portion in life? What is it tomorrow going to be looking like? Overcoming, overcoming, victory, victory, victory. Overwhelming victory, more than conquerors we are now. So we have to live from this persuasion that we're not from beneath, but we're from above. And so that change, shift of mindset is a big thing. Makes a difference of how your day goes. Because that which we believe, we're walking out. We are to keep ourselves, the word of God said to us early in 1 John 5, 18. So the wicked one does not touch us. How? By taking inventory of that which we believe. What are we thinking about? How do we see this moment? This moment being over us. It's over us. It's too big. It's too big. I'm beneath it. I'm beneath it. I'm sinking. I'm sinking. No, that's a lie. No. Jesus said, you're from beneath, but I'm from above. And we're in him now. You are of this world. I'm not of this world. We're not of this world. What's your identity? Who are your peers that you associate with, that you relate to? Your relations are from above. Your associations are thoughts from above. And that would mark your peers. How can two walk together lest they agree? What are you agreeing on? Free to walk together. Make sure it's that which is from above. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure it is that which is from above. That's how you make distinctions. I'm not of this world, he said. Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. From here, verse 26. Actually, let's go to to 28 instead. Twenty eight. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you know that I am he. And I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. I always do those things that please him. In verse 26, I, I wanted to read that before 26. So now 26 says, I have many things to say to you and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true because they are one. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him, but he who sent me is true and I speak to from the one that is true, the same as what he says, which then in turn here we see this is our identity as well, that we are from above, we're not of the world, and we say what the Father says, which is what Jesus says. And only that is true. If you want to be an imitator of the true God, the only true God, then you have to sound as the only true God sounds. Jesus in that 29 verse says, I always do those things that please him. Do you know what pleases him? You know what pleases him? Faith. And as you believe, you speak. That is the spirit of faith. And that pleases him. Homologio, to say the same as he says, pleases him. For that is the true expression of your faith. When we talk about the one true God, it's never separate from our reality in Him. That's why I start with 1 John 5.20, that we are now in Him. In the true God, in eternal life. It's John 17 will tie it together for us. Verse 3. Jesus again. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And this is eternal life that they may know him, the only, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Verse 17, Jesus says again in his prayer, sanctify them, he prays to the Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. When we say we are Christian, At that moment, what we're saying is we are of truth. Therefore, we are truth speakers. Lying ought not to be found in our midst at all. Who is the father of our lies? The one under whom the whole world is under his sway, the wicked one. We're not of those. So to speak aright is to speak truth, which is His word. His word is truth. Because that pleases Him. That pleases the only true God. And really that's what we live for, to please Him. Let's go to, back. we backtrack to chapter 15. Because we live in him. Because we are where? In him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. And here John tells us in chapter 15 what that looks like. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Truth cleans us. His word is truth and the word he he has spoken to us has cleaned us. You want to stay clean? Continue in the word. And that word is setting you free from all the lies that are found in the swaying of the wicked one, to want to mesmerize you with a lie, to captivate you in a snare that really you have dominion over to overcome. It might seem a little elementary. It's not elementary. This is the core of Christianity. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. And when you remain in his word, he's spoken, has cleaned you up. And you are a doer of his word. You are his disciple indeed. Because the truth has set you free to serve him. The living one. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in the true vine. Abide in the true God. And the true God abides in you. Truth abides in you. And it is truth that is keeping us in this hour. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me. How do we abide in him? By being partakers of his nature. Back we go now to John chapter 6. How do we get to know the true God? By being partakers of his nature, his very offsprings. We are 655. What a powerful portion of scripture. In 53, Jesus says to his disciples, to the Jews, they're quarreling. How can this man give out his flesh? Because he just said, Jesus said he is the true bread. He's the bread of life. He's the bread that comes from above, from the heavenly Father. The living bread he is. In 51, Jesus says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread, the the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh? To eat verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Unless you're partaker of truth, we identify that he is truth. Jesus is truth. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. If you partake of this narrow way, if you partake of truth by eating his flesh, Drinking his blood. You have life. But if not, there is no life in you. Christianity is about divine, eternal life. It's not another religion. It's a reality that is from above where we live now, because we have accepted this reality as truth. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed. And that translation in in many translations is true food. Real food, the very word regarding God himself, the true God. To know the true God is eternal life. My flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, he who eats the true flesh and the true blood the real flesh and the real blood, who partakes of the real true God. You have divine nature in Christ. You're partaker of divine nature, not just a mere human being. You're born again, born from above. You're spirit man hosting the Holy Spirit. That is quickening your mortal body, strengthening his sinews to believe and to run the race of faith, to please your heavenly Father, the only true God. My flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me in light. Abides in light. Abides in him who is the true light. Abides in him who is the true vine. Abides in him in truth. In the only way, abides in life. And he in you. And I in him, Jesus says. Oneness with light, oneness with life, oneness with his blood, oneness with his flesh. This is what we are now. The offsprings of the one true God. The John 6.55 NIV reads, For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. New living from my flesh is true food go for the true food and my blood is true drink go for the true drink don't chip in out with other drinks make yourself giddy under the sway of the wicked one no be partaker of truth today the esv my flesh, is, my flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. That word true, real, reality. I want to go to the book of Acts and look at some account of the true God. And there is the account that, that Philip presents to us in chapter 7, the book of Acts. Then we have Paul, In seventeen and maybe I'll read that one uh, and we also have this the the chapter seventeen is 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 in Athens at the market there and then we have the account before King Agrippa but I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna to go to chapter 17, the book of Acts, and and, and and as the Lord leads, we can continue this message next Sunday. Kili Brasuro Mandri the one true God. Know the one true God. Don't be mesmerized by a lie today. And we are off from the truth of the word of God. Don't don't sell out to a cheap thing but gives it thrill for a little moment and then wants to taunt you for the rest of your life, that you yielded to something that was not right. Come to the true light. There's no condemnation there. He'll lead you out to sin no more. He'll lead you out in those green pastures for His name. Say, He'll lead you out. He's leading all of us out. He's leading all of us out. In truth He goes, and we follow after truth. And so Paul was waiting for Timothy and um, I believe Silas to join him and he was in Athens but while in Athens his spirit was provoked I'm reading verse 16 here his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols Is your spirit within you provoked when you see all the idolatry around you it ought to be Paul was provoked by that idolatry. And so, verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Marseille, some translations, right? And said, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar to this inscription, with this inscription, to the unknown God, to the unknown God, known by us. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, hmm, he might proclaim to you. I just, I've been so moved by what Paul, by that which moved Paul a conviction of zeal for the one true God that cost him everything, that brought about such a persecution from his fellow men, from the Jews whom he loved, and even the Gentiles. And yet he was more readily received by the Gentiles than his own men, the Jews. Suffered such persecutions and did not count his life dear to give it all for God. This Paul, that was so bent on destroying those of the way, had a revelation of the one true God that he was persecuting. And stopped, Jesus stopped him in his tracks. And what a conversion. What a conversion. A chosen vessel of God, Paul was. And here this chosen vessel standing in the midst of all these heathens, speaking of the one true God. A boldness of the Holy Spirit, such as we saw Peter have on the day of Pentecost. So stand and proclaim the message of truth. See, when you have persuasion of truth as Jesus heard what the Father said, what truth spoke to him, truth came out of Jesus, which is boldness. And therein is the fear of God and not the fear of man. Let's go back to the verse here. I perceive he said that you're very religious. And so I even found an altar with this inscription to the to the unknown God. And the word continues. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it. This is the one true God. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is a Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with man's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. God is the giver of life and all good things. God is not a taker away. God is not a stealer. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God is a giver. He gives to our life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times. You've been appointed by God in his determination to be right now alive. To declare His glory and majesty, His dominion, has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, even to where you live. He is mindful, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. Lord Jesus Christ, by the man whom He has ordained, He has given assurance of this to all, by raising Him from the dead. By raising Him from the dead. Now stop here. And now my my period, the period at the end of the sentence, my full stop is going to be Ephesians. By raising Jesus from the dead, we have an assurance of salvation. We have an assurance of being made right before God on the basis of faith alone. The righteousness of faith that speaks as we believe who He truly is, the one true God. He is the one true God. Glory be to God in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Let's go chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going for verse 6. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. This is Paul. The prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy. This is what the message is about. Because he is the only true God the one true god walk worthy of the calling with which we were called by which he has called you it's a holy calling with all lowliness with all lowliness and gentleness with long suffering bearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Glory be to God. Worship Him alone the only true God. Amen, amen, amen.